Welcome to the sermon podcast from North Decatur United Methodist Church, where all are welcomed and included, connected with God and with one another, and sent out in service and invitation to the world. Each week we bring you the most recent sermon from me, Patrick Fallhaber, or from guest preachers. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Prepare your hearts and minds to hear a reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, 31 through 33, and chapter 13, verses 44 through 52. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it had grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable, that the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of flowers until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and reburied, Then in his joy, he goes out and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. And when it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all of this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the word of God for the people of God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be to glorify and please you. Whether it is because of me or in spite of me, let this message today inspire all of us to seek your presence and goodness, not only in the walls of this church, but going forward in our communities and in our neighborhoods today and tomorrow, forever and ever. Amen. Well, good morning, y'all. My name is Christina Tony Schmidt, and I am a member here at North Decatur UMC, and I am also a certified candidate for ordination in the United Methodist Church in our conference, and I am grateful to be here. And I'm going to see if that works. Cool. This text comes out to us today in a series of parables presented in the middle of the book of Matthew, all of which found a similar pattern of Jesus stating that the kingdom of heaven is like. Some are good images, some are surprising, and some are hard to grapple with. But before we talk about the gnashing of teeth, I want to talk about the power of similes and metaphors. In 12th grade, I took an AP literature course, and my teacher, Mr. Spiegel, refused to accept a simile in a paper. paper. He said that the word like offered a weak comparison, and he challenged us to use more direct metaphors. This is the first year I read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, 
in which there are an abundance of metaphors, many biblical. And I remember Mr. Spiegel raising up one particular passage to get his point across, where the, key, the creature confronts his creator, Dr. Frankenstein, and says this, Remember, I am thy creature. I ought to be thy Adam, but I am rather the fallen angel. Isn't the image of saying, I am Adam, more powerful than saying, I am like Adam? Isn't it more tragic to be a fallen angel than to be like a fallen angel? I imagine that Mr. Spiegel might be disappointed by this translator's insistence that the kingdom is like, 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 and not that the kingdom is. And the parables read today are only a small sample of the book of Matthew's parables about what the kingdom of heaven is like and only a drop in the bucket of what scripture has to say overall. I imagine that Mr. Spiegel would argue that the images of the kingdom of heaven would be much more powerful, more potent, if the translator said that the kingdom of heaven is a mustard seed or is a woman in a bakery early in the morning. But even as a simile comparison, the first two images we encounter in this passage would be a surprise to Jesus' audience. The mustard seed growing into a tree indicates that a mustard seed that has grown for a very long time. While mustard is considered a bush, it can grow several feet tall, and for it to be as big as a tree implies that it has been planted, watered, and nourished for years, possibly decades. The kingdom of heaven is not immediate and not always how we would identify it. The kingdom is an unassuming kitchen herb in lieu of a mighty oak tree. The second parable we are introduced to is a woman baking with yeast in large quantities. To Jesus' audience, the use of yeast might be surprising. Previously, yeast in biblical stories has been related to the themes of corruption. In the book of Leviticus, when God's people received instructions about offerings to God, the grain offering had to be without yeast. And at times, Jesus himself had warned his disciples of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees and the ways their teachings had hidden meanings and motives. So the use of yeast was a surprise to the community as well as the quantity. Three measures is about 60 pounds of dough, plus the yeast to rise indicates that this loaf could, be, could feed up to 100 people. The use of yeast as a positive image, the amount, and the ways in which the yeast acts, unseen and slowly, is another shock to the audience. The kingdom of heaven is shocking and surprising, slow to grow, hidden, and also more. The next parable lays out a situation in which the kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field that a man stumbles upon, he does not own this field, conceals again, and then buys the field without telling the original owner, which feels ethically shady. And then the kingdom is like a pearl that a merchant, upon finding it, sells everything despite good fiscal sense. So, so far we have that the kingdom is ecologically ill-defined breaking unleavened traditions, shockingly and slowly growing, hidden and potentially problematic, economically devastating, and also joyful. It's also like a net that catches all sorts of fish, sorts them out, determines the good and the bad, and throws some back into the ocean. Jesus does not give us definitions of good or bad. 
The kingdom overall is mysterious and ill-defined. It is like a lot of things that Jesus' audience experiences in their day-to-day lives, but would not call kingdom-like. I think about my AP literature teacher's advice and what it would be like if we applied it to scripture. If we chose to make the images stronger, more potent, use direct extended metaphors instead of similes, then how would it be interpreted by Jesus' audience? And I imagine it would go something like this. About how after hearing this parable that the kingdom of heaven is indeed a mustard seed, all of the community's farmers abandon their other crops and only grow mustard. And every year during the harvest, the community comes together and throws a huge mustard festival. They braid bright yellow flowers in everyone's hair and eat mustard salads. Yellow by Coldplay is on repeat. Everyone takes a break from their labors and rejoices in the color of abundance and says this fellowship and this joy is the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is a baker who bakes huge quantities of leavened bread. The community actually had to rebuild all of the bakeries to accommodate the huge sizes of loaves. There is a team of kneaders for dough this large. Every day, families line up outside the bakery for slices of bread that are as tall as their youngest child. They break bread together over the dinner table each night and say, this surely represents manna and abundance. This is the kingdom of heaven. And when they hear that the kingdom of heaven is a treasure hidden in a field, it causes havoc. Every household selects a treasure hunter that spends all day walking through fields hoping to trip over a piece of the kingdom. No one sells or trades land anymore because what if they missed it? What if the kingdom of heaven was right under their noses but they just didn't look hard enough? Everyone is more alert to their fields and how the kingdom might possibly be present there. And all of the merchants abandon their trade in search of the kingdom pearl. And when one thinks he finds it, which he often does, he sells everything, creating a growing houseless population of men obsessing over and clutching their pearls. But the community comes together and houses those who have sold everything because they believe that the kingdom of heaven is worth it. And at the end of each day, after the mustard salads and leavened bread have been eaten, and the men have tripped over treasures and sold their livelihoods, the whole community gathers at the docks to witness the nets being pulled in. The net is the kingdom of heaven, too. It catches everything, but not cast net style. This net is strung up between two boats and pulled. It captures everything in the path from the ocean floor to the surface. The net is known for catching the best fish and the stinky ones and the ones that have spikes for gills and everything in between. It catches old lures, seaweed, trash, and other fish parts. Every day the community practices the ritual of sorting and every day sparks new disagreements about what is good and what should be thrown back. Because you see, the community had abandoned so many crops to grow the kingdom mustard that they really relied on the fishermen to help provide sustenance for everyone. 
and all of the welders and craftsmen had abandoned their crafts to hunt for treasure, so they had stopped making new fishing lures and nets. And the merchants had abandoned all other trade to search for pearls, so the community was in desperate need of some of the trash that was captured for resourceful purposes. You could only live off of mustard salad and leavened bread for so long. Some of the sorters were fish purists, though. They only wanted to hold on to the good whole fish and throw all the others back, let alone keep seaweed or trash or old lures or nets. But some thought that the spiky fish or other fish parts could be made for a fish stew and wanted to be resourceful. Even others wanted to keep all of the trash bound and figure out how it could be useful. After much arguing, the community fractured. Some parts of the community kept only certain fish. Some kept all of the fish and nothing else. Some kept everything, and even more were picky about what was good enough to keep. Soon there were dozens of fractured communities with all different opinions about what is good and what should be thrown back, and they split completely over the interpretation of the kingdom as a fishing net. Soon the mustard festival became multiple smaller festivals, each practiced individually by each smaller community, and the bread was less bountiful, and there were fewer treasures and pearls found each year. Eventually, the community as a whole forgot why they celebrated the mustard harvest in the first place. God's people are known for their forgetfulness. When the kingdom of heaven is explained, we lose the, crea we lose the creativity and the inclusion of what the kingdom of heaven can be for the sake of limiting clarity. Jesus offers these comparisons of the kingdom of heaven, but does not limit the kingdom of heaven to them. To say the kingdom is like something is to provide space for it to be like something else as well. When working in children's ministry many years ago, we once played a game in which we said what we thought the kingdom of heaven was like. And the kids came up with some of the following answers. A bouncy house. An arcade with infinite quarters. It definitely tastes like cotton candy. And I don't think Jesus would say no to any of these images, but rather yes and. In both Jesus' examples and the children's ideas, the kingdom of heaven is like something we have encountered before. Maybe it was rare to encounter a mustard bush as tall as a tree or an arcade game that had all the quarters stacked up next to it, but it's not unheard of. Maybe it was rare, but it was something people dreamed of. Jesus, is use, Jesus uses examples that relate to his audience's everyday lives. And in doing so, he reminds us that the kingdom is both an anticipation, a time that we are waiting for, and is present here and now. The church and God's people are called to be signs of God's current presence and simultaneously point towards the coming of the kingdom of God. I think about the ways in which the kingdom shows up unexpectedly in corners of my own life, specifically where I work. Currently, I work at Trinity Community Ministries, a 36-bed, two-year transitional center that works with men who experience homelessness and addiction. Our building is in the historic Hanley Funeral Home, which is where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s body was prepared for viewing and burial. 
We often say that in a place where men used to come to grieve and mourn, they now come back to life. I see little bits of the kingdom there every day. Last week, a client went to visit his family over the weekend. This particular client has been at Trinity for about six months, and when he came back in December, he was on suicide watch and just out of being incarcerated. He had not spoken to his two teenage sons in years, and his mother was skeptical if he should be in his children's lives at all. He was mourning his body, his life, and his relationships. Fast forward to this past Monday, he rushed into my office to show me something that, direct quote, absolutely could not wait. It was a TikTok video that he had made with his sons while he was staying at his mom's house over the weekend. They were doing a popular TikTok dance that I will not demonstrate for you right now with his mom goofing up in the background. And he showed me this video with a huge smile. Can you imagine Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven is like a TikTok video where you dance with your family, reunited, that you were once estranged from joyfully and unapologetically, surprising the ways that the kingdom shows up in the corners and crevices of our lives. The kingdom grows slowly like a mustard bush or someone who has started their recovery journey. It is an unseen catalyst like yeast it is a secret, a treasure hidden in a sidewalk crack waiting to be tripped on. It is economically nonsense and joyful. The kingdom of heaven is surprising, but how we encounter it here on earth, the ways in which we encounter it here on earth, and what is to come. But when we try to define it, when we try to insist on what it is, not what it is like, when we demand it to be clarified, we leave others out of it. And while Jesus may not be clear on exactly what the kingdom of heaven is, he is clear on this. We are not called to make decisions about who is and who is invited, who is not invited to the kingdom now and forthcoming. We do not get to pick out the good fish or the bad. We do not get to decide if a fishing lure can be a resource for the community or not. We don't get to choose if a fish is stinky or tastes good. When we decide who is invited in the kingdom of heaven, we reject the mysterious and surprising work of what the kingdom can be. We are invited, however, to be in awe and wonder, to be surprised about how the kingdom of heaven works. We are not called to define how the kingdom shows up, but to be open to it when it does, whether that be on a fishing boat or in a TikTok video. At the end of this scripture, Jesus leaves his audience with one more image. It, is, it says that it is about teachers who bring out both new and old treasures. Those who are curious about the kingdom, who seek to be a part of it, will continue to collect new understandings of what the kingdom is and what it can be. They have boxes and storage about all the ways the kingdom has shown up in their lives, and when another opportunity comes up that demonstrates the kingdom, they pack away this experience and are open to more. The kingdom of heaven is like a free, never-ending storage unit of experiences. The power of stating what the kingdom of heaven is like is that it does not limit what the kingdom of heaven can be and who can be there. 
And I'm sure that my AP literature teacher already knows this lesson. That when we're talking about Mary Shelley, he simply pulled his own box of direct metaphor lessons out, saving the lessons of unlimited similes for another day. When we don't limit metaphors, when we don't limit the kingdom, they are empowered to grow in exciting and unexpected ways that catch us off guard and bring us awe, joy, and further into community with one another. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon from North Decatur United Methodist Church. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at ndumc.org.